What's going on, Trophy Kids? We are back for the first college football show of the season. Oh, I'm excited. It's a good one. We're recapping the first two weeks of college football, week zero and week one, and then we're giving out some bets, breaking down some big games this weekend. You are not going to want to miss this one. It's a good one. Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is September 9th, and we are back for the very first time for college football season. We've got Dante on the line. Week two is upon us. How are you doing today, good sir? I am ready to give out more bad takes for the year. <laughs> I never know what I'm talking about, so if you're new listening, um, that's just a fair warning. I'm not a bad man, but I do like to talk about college sports, in particular, college football. College football, and you're a good sounding board. You you reel me sure. and Tim in when we're getting a little too ahead of ourselves, sure. and we're either overthinking something or not thinking of something enough, and just going with a dumb narrative. There is a good reel in. There's a there's a good purpose here. <laughs> but there are times that Tim and Nate force me to make a pick, and then it's usually good to bet against that. Yeah, the fade yeah. <laughs> the fade king is what we can call you over here. There's the yeah. fade god out there on social. No, 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 we got the fade king here. Um, <laughs> speaking of college football. Opening thoughts. Opening week zero and week one had provided a lot of hot hot takes flying around, a lot of people getting ahead of themselves, and then some very telling old signs coming back out. What were uh, what are some broad thoughts you had going out after this past uh, two weeks of college football? I am glad that college football is back um, because yes. anytime that void is there, all types of random narratives get thrown in. Preseason rankings are garbage. We we that's a current <laughs> that's a stand we take on this show um, all the time. Uh, but I'm glad some staples were there, like Scott Frost making crazy calls when he is winning. Um, if I just as for if you are coaching a little league team right now, and you are up in the fourth quarter or the third quarter in the third quarter, third quarter, you do not kick an onside <laughs> kick. That's, just don't do it. Da I Dante, I uh it's so funny. I knew football season was here because I came into this season ignoring all our wise wisdom we normally have. Bet Nebraska to start off the season and immediately within the first game, not even before the fourth quarter was reminded why that is so stupid. Scott Frost is an absolute moron. Brain dead moron and was reminded right off the bat why that was a bad idea. I mean, yeah. that team, <sighs> greatest three-win three, three win team ever last year, but yes. the dude just, there's a reason they only won three games, and there's a reason they covered all of them is because the man does not know how to win games. He knows how to be competitive in games, but he does not know how to win games, contrary to popular belief with what he did at the University of Central Florida. But my God, I, I don't know how they even let him back on the plane from Ireland. I don't either. It So... At UCF, it must have been a few things, right? He must have overperformed. The talent pool must have been better. He must have had better, like, a recruiting team. But also, like, you cannot get the kids from Florida and Georgia to go up to Nebraska if you don't have a winning program. But also, this man is, like, his predecessor got fired for winning almost twice as much as he he did. 
I for, I forget it was like it's something like if Scott Frost was to win the next forty games in a row, he still would have less wins than Bo Pelini. So yeah. justice for Pelini, who had that program at least competitive, and that's the craziest thing too is like Nebraska this year. Arguably, there isn't like a giant talent gap between them and the mid tier Big East teams. Like there really isn't. Like or Big East, Big Ten teams. Big Ten. Like yes, yeah. Ohio State is godly better. No doubt about that. But like they are the talent level is competitive. But this is he's the perfect example of a guy who played down a league in what uh with University of Central Florida where he was in a prime recruiting state so he could just recruit better than his competition. But then as soon as he retur- got up a competition, he didn't have the coaching skills to get the best out of his talent. If that just made sense with what I was saying. It's essentially like he had the best talent at the level that UCF played at primarily 90% of their games. So he just had better talent. And then when he comes to an environment where everybody has good talent, he just can't coach. Let me ask you this. If Scott Frost loses against Oklahoma, what, in two weeks? Something like that. Oh, that's going to be a disaster. Is he, is, if they get blown out, so it's on the uh, 17. Yeah. If if they get blown out, is Scott Frost done? I would I would have to imagine so. I mean, they restructured his deal, so it's not as bad for Nebraska here if he goes. I would fire. I don't know because what's the vision? What is the vision moving forward? If if you don't fire him, how how do you move forward as a program? I like there is no moving forward. You you've had the time, you've had the opportunity to bring in recruiting classes. You have competitive players on the field now. Winning the Big Ten, sure, they don't have that kind of talent, but they have talent to be ultra competitive in a really weak division within the Big Ten in the in the West. So like the fact that they're not competing in the West is a problem. <laughs> and, yeah, I, and you can't continue to lose games by one touchdown or one score. Yeah, that's bad coaching. It's just bad coach. It's exactly what that is. It's bad coaching. You have the you you do have the talent level to be competitive. You're just failing as a coach. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And we saw a prime example in Ireland. No business. Like no adjustments. God forbid they make any adjustments defensively. God forbid they make any adjustments offensively. And then they go out and kick an onside kick in the third. When they're up seven or whatever it was. It was I just, will um, I will say that. Nebraska is committed to their game plan. Oh, my God. No deviation between the sticks. Zero. I was screaming at my TV because I don't I don't think I could recall, like, at any point, they didn't just, like, they just rushed their 4D linemen, down D linemen. They didn't, like, blitz at any, like, they didn't turn up pressure. They did nothing. They were just like, let's just yes. keep doing the exact same thing. <laughs> And even when they don't have the personnel to do to pull that off, they still do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I know as a fan, a Nebraska fan, that has to as me watching MSU do jet sweeps over and over and over <laughs> before um before our coaching change would drive me nuts. So I know for Nebraska fans to watch Scott Frost ineptly go out there and run plays or do defensive schemes without the same talent level is like, of course your players are getting run over. Of course Northwestern is running um, disguising options, you know, against you because they know you're, you've already shown your hand that you're not going to deviate. I agree. Speaking of Michigan state, how are we feeling early? I know it's very small sample size against not the best talent, but how? What is what? What is your gauge at for optimism this season? Where Where are you right now? Michigan State is a team plagued by potential. That's pretty fair, I, I would say. Yeah. Um, 
the cord, th- there is greatness under there. Can the greatness be brought out? And then if it is brought out, can you execute with it consistently? So a couple things happened on Saturday. You saw a quintessential Michigan State team go out against a directional Michigan school and play very poorly. If you're a Michigan State fan, that is bound to happen every year. Um, And that is nothing against Western Michigan, Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, whoever we play. That is nothing against those teams. I don't want fans of those teams to – for me to say that those teams aren't talented or don't have talented people on because they do. But – a school like Michigan State should be 30, 20 to 30 points better than those schools with the talent that it has right now on its roster. Now, if you look at the score, you'll say, well, Michigan State was. But if you watch that game. Scores can be deceiving. <laughs> you watch that game. That was a very close game all the time. And Western Michigan just made too many mistakes. And because Michigan State had a veteran team, it was able to capitalize on those mistakes. Play better talent, Michigan State, and that won't happen. If you play yourself into a hole, it you're going to be bad. And we're still playing this bend, don't fold defense. Yeah, that <sighs> that is where my big concern is. I was wondering if you can bring that up because word is uh, Mel Tucker has taken over coaching the DBs because it is it's bad apparently right now, and that is a concern. Ooh. I would say coming into the season, my two biggest concerns is what does that defense look like in year two are the rumors as bad as they are about what the DVs look like? And I think when you flip the ball, you're losing your most valuable weapon in Kenneth Walker. You can't replace yeah. that. No. But Peyton Thorne, as long as he plays to his ceiling, that's like the big question. Can you and get consistency? Reed. Yeah, Reed. And that's where it is. You have a stud in Reed. The potential is off the chart. Can you have other guys like Coleman step up too to be opposite of him mm-hmm. and Mosley and all them? But Reed is off the chart wide receiver. So it's like, can Mel Tucker and his coaching staff get consistency out of Peyton Thorne? And can that secondary be not bend, don't break mentality and be a little bit more consistent? Because it, the fact that the head coach has to apparently take over coaching duties of a position group is never usually a great sign. <laughs> no. Um, Tim and I talked about this last year. Michigan State needs to go out there and spend some real money on these coordinators. Um if we want to play with the big boys, we're going to have to spend money like the big boys. Yeah, I'd agree. Also, um, if we're talking about offense, and I think if I'm Mel Tucker, this is what I say. We got to run like an Oklahoma-style offense. We got to run like a – where we're just – we're not worried about defense. I like we're it. Spread it out. Put, yep, spread it out, and we're going to score 30, 40 points on you. And then you got to score 30 or 40 points. I like it. I think more That's teams should be more do. flexible when they have defenses like this. Yeah. <laughs> and there's some real concerns there. I would just be like, how many points can we put up and can you put up more? Yeah, I agree. I would say this too about Michigan State fans and Michigan and the Big Ten in general. Um, I would keep expectations probably low this season, but future-wise, I don't know if there's a coach right now in the Big Ten that is doing more things right than Mel Tucker. I mean, he is hot on the recruiting trail. He's building a program clearly. Like, 
Ohio State's there, so I'm, I, I, yeah. I guess that's like I'm already just taking them off the board because they're just everything's built there. It's a well-oiled machine; it runs. But as far as all the other coaches and all the other programs, I do think Michigan State, and this is not a biased thing because I have two Michigan State <laughs> co-hosts, <laughs> but I do, I do get the feeling out of all the programs, and we're going to talk about a couple of them here for games this week that the program is in a healthy state. Moving forward, there could be a high expectation, but this season, it just. I don't know if all the pieces are there to repeat a season like last season. I think there is going to be some regression unless Peyton Thorne really plays to his ceiling every game, which I just I don't think that's a fair too. expectation. Yeah, that's another thing too. Peyton got out to a real slow start. And that's going to be I there are going to be some games where he lays eggs and that's concerning I think for this season, which once again, it's just expectation management. Mel Tucker is hot on the recruiting trail. The buzz is good. The program, what they're trying to do future-wise, I think is really good and healthy and one of those things where you get I do think that the future like if I'm a Michigan University of Michigan, I think Michigan State has a healthier program right now. Crazy, but I Well, just, yeah, we're I not think, run we're not trying to run two uh, quarterbacks. Right. When I look so. at Wisconsin, I don't know what Paul Christ is as a head coach because Jim Leonard has essentially saved his job every single year with the way he plays defense. You look at Iowa, which we're going to talk about a little bit later here with Iowa, yes. Iowa State. That program is in absolute turmoil. Nebraska, turmoil. Um, Penn State, I'm not a big James Franklin fan. I think that they have underperformed due to their talent level. I, I said last year that there's silent gas in the building and that program is slowly dying and I think that we're going to see more and more of that so it, I, I do think Michigan State right now when you look at the Big Ten as a whole excluding Ohio State I think I have the most confidence with them moving forward this year might just be a little bump, bumpy <laughs> before we leave the Big Ten to talk about Notre Dame oh no I guess we won't leave the Big Ten because we'll have to do Notre Dame OSU Notre Dame but OSU. can we talk about just very briefly the greatest football played ever of in- Iowa and <laughs> South Dakota State bleed. or South Dakota bleed my eyes out. What am I watching? Their punter had something like four hundred plus yards of punting. I've never seen a punter win a game. I've never seen a punter punt for that many yards in a game. <laughs> my God, he had more yard. He had more yards, right? Like more all-purpose yards than both teams, right? Yeah, and and two they. <laughs> Total, if you guys didn't watch the Iowa game, you're like, what are these guys talking about? The score was 7-3, and not a single touchdown was scored in that game. It was so bad that fans booed when they got the um, next safety because they wanted to leave it 5-3. Yeah, God, it was. I mean, that was Big Ten football in a nutshell. It's like punt, 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 field goal, punt, 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 maybe a safety or another field goal. Punt, punt, punt. <laughs> like, oh, it, oh, we'll go more in depth with them here in a second. But I think that's another takeaway. Ohio State, the hot takes around Ohio State right now are just all the charts. Everybody needs think, to calm down. <laughs> calm down. You would think Ohio State had the second coming to Jesus. Like, Dude, calm down. I was honestly, the way they won that game, sure, I, I expected more from the offense because it's supposed to be this elite offense this year. I honestly came into this season believing they could be one of the best offenses we've ever seen. I still think their ceiling is really, really high. Hurts yeah. that your number one wide receiver goes down in that game. But like I feel like we're also discrediting Notre Dame, which I thought played way better than my expectation. Like Freeman, I think, has got those boys 
playing hard. Like they were a lot more downhill kind of the opinion I got, and maybe that's because it was a night game, big atmosphere. I felt like they were playing a lot more downhill. They were playing a lot more physical. They did a good job of, of coming into that game and playing two say two shell defense, two eyes, two eye safeties and being like, Hey, we're not going to let up the big explosives because we can allow to do that. And I think Ohio state answered the bell as to, because the biggest problem last year was their physicality defensively. They didn't look like right. they wanted to tackle. They didn't look like they wanted to be there. Jim Knoll comes in from Oklahoma State. Historically, the first year Jim Knowles ever goes to a program, that defense usually takes a step back. But then again, he's never had this much talent on the field. And I thought the most impressive thing was the Ohio State defense their attitude looked different. They looked like they wanted to be there. They looked like they wanted to tackle. The mindset seemed to switch. So I think the offense is going to get figured out and be really hot at the end of the year. But I, I honestly didn't think, like, the, the hot takes that are flying around are just incredible. Yeah, athletes. you would think, like, Ohio State was dead in the water. Yeah. Yeah. Nuts. Like, But that's college no. football in, the, in a nutshell, right? We discredit. <laughs> yeah. The sport naturally discredits the ability to get better over a season. Just look at how we did the playoffs, which we are going to 12, thank God. But, like, this, the, they have always discredited the idea that you can grow over the season because if you're not ranked super high, which Ohio State is, but, like, it, in – college football's nature there's no ability to be like this team is good at start but can really grow into something great and i think that's what ohio state's going to do but that's like in the nature of the sport yeah i think ohio state is fine they're going to be ohio state oh, yeah um and yeah stop you're crying here's what i think the biggest um issue for notre dame was in watching that game um i know college football or football is a game of chess i think Notre Dame either showed their hand and the offensive coordinators were able to like call audibles or they just called blitz when they weren't supposed to call blitz and then played wide, played the wideouts too wide when they weren't supposed to allowing Ohio state to chip away and then go for the uh, touchdown or just run. I think that, and that may just be like, Freeman being my cousin, just case anybody didn't know. No, 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 no relation. Like, no yeah, he's coming on next week. <laughs> uh, that might just be a thing that comes along with coaching, right? The more, yeah. the longer he coaches. And, and Notre Dame, I think, too, is going to be a, a team that has to develop over the season. There's a lot of question marks at wide receiver. There's a lot of question marks <laughs> outside of Michael Myers, the tight end, or Mayers, not Myers, Mayers. Um, you know, yeah, and that's another thing too. They kept running that play. So once Ohio State defense yeah, figured it out, yeah, yeah, like he's the best tight end in the country, arguably. You know, outside of that piece, there isn't a whole lot there right now. So I think it's it's just a lot of co- like it, I thought it was a very good showing for both teams. I thought obviously things to improve on. Ohio State's offense needs to click a little better, but I thought the defense looked a lot better than I initially expected coming into the season. And same thing with Notre Dame. I thought they looked a lot better than what I had expected coming into the season. Mm-hmm. So I think just pump the brakes. Also pump the brakes on the fact that we're just going to have Georgia-Alabama rematch. We might have that. Georgia looks fantastic. Alabama looks fantastic. But once again, this is the sport discrediting the idea that teams can get better or worse over the course of a season. I think the biggest takeaway, though, for me, though, coming into this season with Georgia, people are always like, man, Kirby's the pressure's off him. He finally won one. I think the pressure's more on him now than ever because Kirby, I don't think, cares, and this is going to sound crazy, I don't think Kirby cares about, like, a championship. What he cares about is building a program like Alabama where yeah. every year you reload, every year you're in the running. Yep. His pressure and his cooker comes from, I want to be better than Nick Saban, my mentor. I want to be the next Nick Saban. And so the pressure was we lost all this like, generational defense of talent. Can we, We've got the athletes. We've always had the athletes, though, in Georgia. They've always had strong recruiting classes. 
can we still get the same production level? Can we not have a huge drop-off? Offense looked great. Best tight end room probably in the country. Stetson Ben looked great. Defense looked really good and fast. And, like, that's the pressure cooker. It's not the pressure to win one. It's can we reload every year and not have a drop-off? Like, the program just runs like Alabama. How many teams can have eight people go to the NFL, five in the first round? Unreal. And look like they did not miss a beat. There's only two teams in the country that can do that. Yep. And one of them is the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia is the only team that when they're on defense, their defense look looks and plays as fast as an offense. Yeah. Yeah. It's really it's true. They I mean they finally got it cuz for years he's had the talent there, but it's the the swings in the production of that talent and the mm-hmm. way that they can move season to season. And that's the pressure cooker, and I think that that's the goal. That's what he wants to be. He doesn't care about winning one. It's like, can I? Can I? Every year I come back and not have a drop off, and then build on it from last year. Even if we lose everything, we lose a generational. De- I mean, that's one of the greatest defenses we've ever seen in the sport. Um, Doesn't matter. And they're picking right back up where they they, they picked right back up. Now, on the flip side of that, the Ducks oh. play the worst game of football outside of Iowa and South Dakota State. Uh, that I saw. I think if you're a Ducks fan, that has to be demoralizing. I mean, granted, you got a new coach, but Mario Cristobal, for years, put his foot down and said, we are going to be more physical in the trenches. We're going to build mm-hmm. like an SEC team, and we're not going to get bullied in the trenches, and we're going to be physical. We may not be the best team, but we're going to be physical. And they just got manhandled. And that is why I think it is better for teams like Oregon, like the USC's, not to adapt to the SC style. I don't think really any conference can really do that. But keep be best at your style. Be best at that. We have the best playmakers. We can spread you out. We're going to use our speed and agility and that, and try to offer something. It's the David versus Goliath. You have to. Mm-hmm. You can't match them talent for talent. You're just not going to be able to do it. You have to bring something else, and that's the fun of college football. The West Coast is fun because it's spread you out. It's our athletes are the best. We're going to kill you by a million paper cuts. Where the SEC is like, we're just going to bludgeon you to death. You know, Big Ten is like, yeah. we're going to make you snooze a lot, and then we're going to strike and get you. And then we're so, going to strike. Yep. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to lull you into a false sense of security, and then yes. we're strike. Um, I think Oregon went out there and played with Nike and that yellow O on their chest, and they thought that was enough to be competitive in that game. Yeah. And that's and, and they or- thought swag and drip was going to win that game yeah. for them. And 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 I, I look, I love all of that. Yeah. But you're still going to play football. And I, at Oregon, it's got to be a little disorienting too, because for years your sleeping giants on that side of the country, from a recruiting standpoint, Texas and USC have been sort of dead in the water. And with all the Phil Knight and Nike money, you could not talk capitalize about my more. Big Ten counterpart USC here, okay? Yeah. And now <laughs> USC and Texas are waking up. They've got coaches yeah. that are going to capitalize on the marketplace in that area when it comes to recruiting talent. And I don't know what direction you go, Oregon. Like, I do like the coach, Dan Lanigan. He comes over from Georgia. But, like, the fact that those two schools have coaches that get it now and are recruiting at a high level, I don't know where Oregon goes from here. <laughs> Oregon, Oregon State to the Big Ten. You heard it here first. Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> all righty. Let's talk about some games this week. Cool. I feel like Let's we did a good it. job te- te- capping off yeah, last if week. If you didn't watch any games last week, don't worry. There are some great games this week. We got some good ones. And let's just start off with the team that we loosely named there. Texas, Alabama kicks off our noon Saturday. Oh, I almost said oh. Sunday. This game, 
Oh man, I, I unfortunately I think that uh, Texas back uh, comment is going to die hard potentially here. The line is at twenty and a half, big number. Over under is sixty five and a half. What are your opening thoughts for this game? It makes my palms sweat <laughs> because the Texas fanboys and fangirls have gotten to me. Not that Texas is going to win this game, but they're going to make it more competitive than people believe. I don't want to do that because I tell people, watch out for the Michigan uh, media mob. And I think <laughs> Texas has gotten to me. So now I'm sitting here like, well, is Texas going to make it competitive? And then I know I'm going to turn on my uh, TV at 11. It's going to be before kickoff. It'll be 38 nothing. Yep. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I have some. But have you have you gotten any of that? Like the Texas media, Texas fans being not that they're going to win, but that's going to be competitive. Yeah, yeah. I, I have, and that goes to that whole we're back. Like the goal, yeah. like them to keep that motto going is. I don't think anybody thinks they're going to win this game, but they think they're going to be very competitive. And I have two big concerns that jump right off the bat for me. Last year, that defense stunk with a capital oh, S. And their yeah. whole strategy was we're going to drop back and play zone defense and get zero pressure. That was essentially what they did last year. So if that's what they're going to do this year, Alabama is going to light them up like a Christmas tree. You cannot sit back and play deep zones and get no pressure on Alabama and expect to win. They are going to score every single drive if that is your game plan and if that's all you can yep. do. I don't know if Texas can manufacture pressure because it's their front seven. It's a lot of returning guys from last year. They didn't do a good job at it last year. Maybe there's been this big leap. I didn't see it in their first game really. Now, granted, I caught very small glimpse of it, but it looked like they were running a very similar defense where it's drop back, deep zones, and just kind of let die or just keep everything in front of you and young will literally light you up like a christmas tree without doubt without question there's not going to be a lot of punting in this game if that if that is how that defensive set goes the other concern is you've got a true freshman quarterback mm -hmm. starting against an alabama defense that does not make mistakes like they they maybe make one or two kind of mistakes a game and i don't know if he's gonna be able to take advantage of that Will Anderson's the greatest player on every field every day. He is a complete eraser mark. And I just, I think that it's just, Texas is, they're getting similar to, not Michigan, I shouldn't say similar to Michigan State because Michigan State's a little bit more there right now. Texas fans need to realize, future-wise, you guys are heading in a great direction. Don't get yes. down on Steve Starkeesian just yet. But I think this game could potentially be very brutal because I just I don't have a lot of faith that there's this big giant jump from last year's Texas defense in strategy wise. And I think a true freshman going up against Texas or Alabama who doesn't make any mistakes. And when they do, I don't like they may make one or two a game. I don't think he has it in him to to take advantage of that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. What does Texas do? I guess my like X factor is how do you stop Bryce Young? That, yeah, that I, that's the biggest question. I don't know how they're going to stop him because last year they were horrendous in getting pressure. They're not a giant blitzing team, and they and they don't necessarily. I don't know if they even have the athletes to go one on one on the outside. Even though this Alabama wide yeah. receiving core is down this year, like this is arguably one of the worst I, we've seen in a couple of years. I don't know how they stop. Even them. if they are, even if they are down this year, they're still Alabama receivers, and you got a Heisman Trophy winner. So yeah. I. 
like Nate, I'm not being I'm being a little facetious, but I think they could throw me and you out there <laughs> and bite you I, I catch one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess that is true. Yeah, Bryce Young will carve yeah. him up. Yeah, I, I'm gonna stay away from this game from a betting side because I could see a potential backdoor cover here because the number is big at 20. We're like Alabama's yeah, just number, beating the yeah. brakes off of them. And then they pull, you know, Young and a couple guys, and Texas sneaks in maybe the back door here. But I just don't see a way that Texas is. I don't see a way forward for Texas in this game and where they're competitive starting off. Because I just, I don't, they're just not there yet, I don't think. And I think people are, they're getting, what's the phrase, the horse ahead of the carriage or whatever? I don't know. I'm terrible at phrases. Putting the cart before yeah, the horse. Yeah, putting the, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Classic Nathism right there. Um, I just, I don't see how they can stay competitive in this one. Um, I guess, too, like, if you make Alabama one-dimensional, if Texas makes Alabama one-dimensional, but again, that one-dimensional is Bryce Young because the Utah State game, Alabama didn't run the ball a lot. Um, that that You talk about the receiving core being down, but that middle um, offensive line is not opening up a, enough holes for their running backs. So if Texas can make Bama one-dimensional – Bryce Young has some bad throws. Yeah, that that cover could ha- again. This doesn't mean that Texas will win. Yeah, no, they're not winning this game. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, winning. unless something yeah. catastrophic happens to Alabama, they're not winning this game. Like yeah. Bryce Young is going to have to have like the worst flu of his life, and like the offensive line is going to have to like tie their shoelaces together for Texas to win this game. <laughs> It'll be interesting. I yes, I'm glad that it is eleven o'clock game. Yeah. So we can you can start your day off right. I but let me tell you, Texas, as someone who has started off or who has been in a marquee game where you can turn your season around, although you don't really need to turn your season around, but you can define your season. When you lose that game, it hurts for weeks. Mm-hmm. So I understand because you had a chance. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So let's talk about an eye sore. And, uh, yeah, good luck, Texas. Um, let's talk about an eyesore that's at 4 o'clock, and that is Iowa State, Iowa. The line is set at 3.5. Over under is 30, 39.5. Man, got to take the under. <laughs> Honestly, here's the thing. I came into this like, I think I got to take Iowa State, and I said, no, Nate, no. Don't do this for another <laughs> year do again. Do Iowa yep, State hasn't won it. since 2014. They're replacing a lot of guys. But, God, Iowa is so bad. I come into this game thinking – it can't get much worse. Like in my mind, I'm hoping maybe they held some things back because they knew Iowa State was coming up. Maybe you no. know it was just a brain no. fart thinking it. And then I remember, no, no <laughs> this team Iowa is nepotism to a T. Kirk Ferentz has his son as the offensive coordinator, and he might be the worst offensive coordinator I have ever seen in my entire life. And now he is coaching the quarterbacks this year, which is just a train wreck in and of itself. But I can't pick Iowa State in this one. I just, I don't know what happens. I don't like three and a half number. I love it at three. I If you're thinking about buying this game, I, I hate buying points, but I might be buying a point here. Um, talk to me about this game and what your thoughts are. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time here, but it's just. Iowa's at, at it's home. Bad. Yeah. Um, they just came off that national embarrassment of a game against um, South Dakota. I keep wanting to call them San Diego State. South Dakota State. Um. Yeah, it's a mess over there at Iowa. It has it literally has been a mess since the like George Floyd Black Lives Matter debacle that was happening at Iowa and the accusations of racism. Um they haven't seemed to have recovered from that. Um and I think 
that Iowa is also a team stuck in. I've been here, Iowa, a team stuck in the before times. (laughs) You have to throw the ball, Iowa. You can't just run the ball uh, 108 times and say, well, eventually we'll wear the defense down because eventually your defense gets worn down. The On the other side, though, Iowa State is a brand new team. Yep. They're, they and, they have one of the least amount of returning production in the country. It's yeah. It's it's just completely new everywhere. So I I give Iowa the 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 edge over Iowa State on this one, but it it's an it's not going to be a yeah. It's, it's not going to be a high score. It's game. an eye score game. It's that meme of the person with their eyes being forced open watching it is how we're going to be watching this game. Um. And that's the other thing. I was the only reason Iowa's offense had a pulse last season is because the defense was so elite that Iowa's offense got great starting position on virtually every single drive. So they didn't have to move the ball very far. Um, every single drive they had great starting position. But this is a terrible game. We can move on to it to a game that you know a couple of years ago I don't think everybody would have circled on their calendar. But that just shows how much Kentucky and Mark Stoops have come along and the excitement around the Florida program. We were talking yeah. Kentucky, Florida. It is a 7 p.m. game. The line is at 5.5. Over-under is at 52.5. Talk to me about how you're feeling in this one. So I don't want to offend Wildcat fans or Gator fans, but it feels like both of these teams have been revitalized. And I know the Gator fans are going to be like, our teams have always been competitive, blah, blah, blah. But no, no, no. You no. stuck it up there for a couple years, right? Dan Mullins uh, refused to recruit the state well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> In a state where, but, like, the three stars are five stars in, like, a bunch exactly. of other states. Yeah, he just <laughs> refused to recruit the state well. Um, I like Kentucky in this game. I know that's a dark horse pick. Crazy, but, but yeah. Yeah, I think if Kentucky can spread the Gators out, which their quarterback kind of likes to do, I think they can win. Now, again, I'm saying a win. I'm talking about a field goal last yeah, second touchdown type yeah type of win not a Kentucky goes in there and and uh smashes Florida the Gators in the mouth this is more like if the Gators don't definitively shut Kentucky out don't be surprised if Kentucky wins yeah I I, I shouldn't say anything is definitive in this one it's college football Stuff happens. I think I have two big concerns about Kentucky, but I also have concerns about Florida, too. And the two big concerns with Kentucky is the offensive line, which has been their bread and butter the last couple of years. Yeah. It's been fantastic. But even after last week, Mark Stoop is talking about how he might have to change up the offensive line and move some guys around. And that's not stuff you want to hear when you're heading down to the swamp to play Florida, who just got off a huge win. That's one of my concerns with Florida. And then the other thing is the secondary Kentucky. I don't really know where they're at right now. Like, I didn't have high hopes coming into the season for this secondary. I don't know if where it's – it's one sample size. It's not a great sample size. I don't know where it's at. Um, so those are my big concerns right there. Can, Florida on the other side, I think my concern is, you know, can Anthony Richardson build off of a, a somewhat good performance? Because his biggest problem is consistency and being able to throw to more than one side of the field. Um, so, he does not go through progressions. No. He <laughs> He looks at the receiver that they called that play for. Yep. And he sticks there or he runs. Yep. Yeah. It's 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 not great. Um and he holds onto the ball for a really long time. So way too long. Billy Napier's biggest challenge is getting getting Richardson to be on time with the ball, to go, try to go through some progressions. But I mean, he is a freak. I mean, you don't build quarterbacks really like that anymore at his size and what he can do. He's an absolute freak. But there are concerns there. And then, you know, does Florida have 
the gas after being in a very physical, very tough game against Utah, which is a huge win. So you know they partied hard on Saturday. They probably partied hard on Sunday. And then they're, they're coming into this week. Partying. Yeah. And do they have the legs and the gas after a very brutal weather game too? It's hot and muggy down there for that Utah game. Utah's a physical brand of football. You know, they needed a last second pick to close that game out. Do they have the legs? I guess my, but my, I think I have more concerns about Kentucky and that offensive line and whether or not their front seven on defense can get a big enough push to, to really fluctuate here. It's just going to be a really fun game. If I'm betting it, I haven't decided yet, but I would be leaning Florida. But it's going to be interesting, and it's just funny how far how far this type of game has come in the last couple. Last of years. thing, Kentucky beat Florida last year. They did. They did. They did do that. That's it, all I, the offensive that's all line, I though, is, is the concerning part for me, but that is <laughs> very true. Um, anything else on here we want to do a quick dive on before I give out a couple picks? Or I think the last game that we can briefly touch on here is the um, yeah, uh, my favorite team, that, my favorite two teams, this Tennessee-Pittsburgh. This is going to be a good game to watch, <laughs> folks. It is. I, I say if you got got a little time on Saturday at 2.30 or 3.30, depending on where you're at in the country, go ahead and watch Tennessee-Pittsburgh. Now, both Tennessee fans and Pittsburgh fans like to stay in Michigan State fans' mentions. <laughs> no, you know. But I do think that I will watch this game with glee because whoever loses – I am just every time a Tennessee and or a Pittsburgh person jumps in my DMs, I'm going to be like, look at this game. You see this game here? <laughs> <laughs> this is a great game. This is another reminder of week one. It, it was I was so excited for the backyard brawl. Pittsburgh, West Virginia, that rivalry game is so fun. It was super entertaining last week. It's one of the, the really kind of crappy things about realignment. It's just we lose yeah. some of these traditionally great, fun rivalry games. I had so much fun watching that game. But speaking about this game, this is going to be a very fun game. Yes. They are on my card potentially as an over here because I don't know defensively how these two teams are going to hold up. Um, Hendon Hooker it's is going to be a shootout. It's yeah, going to be a shootout. He is. Yeah. I think. I don't think Pitt's defense can contain Tennessee, which is then going to make Pittsburgh's offense have to switch because Pittsburgh offense is going to want to be a running gun, be physical, slow the game down. But Tennessee is going to be able to do some things here. I really like what they're doing, but I also hate Tennessee's corners. This is going to be, I'm glad you called it out. I think it's going to be a super fun game to watch. There's a ton of volatility in this game, which is why I do lean to that over. I think the volatility factor is off the charts in this game and we can get yeah. some very wild stuff because um, also Slover, the, the pit quarterback, like, I gave him a lot of crap last year because there are games where he just doesn't look like he knows how to play the position anymore, and then there are games where he's like, oh, damn, this guy can play. I think this is going to be one of those games where we kind of get the best of both worlds, um, and it's going to be a ton of fun to watch. Yeah, I. this is going to feel like a, a Pac-12 game where, or an Oklahoma game where you're not even going to realize that the defenses are out there, really. <laughs> no, this is true. <laughs> This is very true. Um, I think it's going to come down a lot to who has the better running, more consistent run game. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think like uh, well, that's the thing with Hooker too is because he brings that dual edge ability yep. so well. Yep. I, I just I don't think Pittsburgh has the players on defense this year to really match his his true dual threat ability. Like he is very good at both both aspects of the game, um, which makes him dangerous. Unlike an Anthony Richardson, who's really good. He's a dual-threat quarterback, but he doesn't have the arm and accuracy of Hender Hooker. 
Hooker's got a very good arm and very good legs to match. He also throws off that off foot a lot. <sighs> yeah. Oh my, he's asking to get hurt. You yeah. know, let me knock on some wood because I don't want him to to be hurt, but. And I get it because you're running around and then you see the open man and you got to make a quick decision between do I want to keep running or do I want to, but oh. And I will say this. He is one of the few quarterbacks that passes across his body where you're like, you still cringe, but you're like, that's probably getting to the receiver. Yeah. 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 Um, all righty. I got a couple of bets. I'm going to have more, so make sure you're following at Trophy Kids Pod and the Trophy Kids account on both Instagram, Twitter, everywhere as I tweet these out over the weekend, but a couple picks. BYU, Baylor, lines at three and a half. Over is at 53 and a half. I like the over and the Baylor Bears in this game. I do not like the BYU defense. They are three down linemen. Everybody drops back. Forget pressure. Baylor's very physical. They are going to bully them. They're going to score a lot of points. BYU is electric offensively. I like Hall. I love the over at 53.5. I also like Baylor, plus 3.5. BC, plus 2.5 versus Virginia Tech. BC dropped an egg to Rutgers. Terrible show. Oh, man, that was great. (laughs) If you watched the game, because I went back and watched it, some fluky turnover plays that I think they get rid of here. I think BC is the better team than Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's in a really bad spot. They're in a complete rebuild, though. Um, Talk about a team that failed to recruit the state um, and and really improve under Justin Fuente, who I did not think was a good hire at the time. I was proven right on that one. I do like the guy they got in there now, Pitt's defense coordinator from last or for the last couple of years, but it's a complete rebuild. I think BC gets that game plus two and a half. They they need it. Yep. Um, Iowa. I'm just gonna do it. Iowa minus three and a half. I'm gonna hate myself because you know what's gonna happen. They're gonna be like on Iowa State's thirty up three, and they're gonna punt the ball on like fourth and two or something. And it's like, no, go yep. for it and kick the field goal. Um, they're going to win the game by three. I know it. But I'm going to go Iowa three and a half, and then I will add to this over the weekend. Um, but that is what I got right now. Cool. Anything else before we wrap this bad boy up? Nope. College football is back. Damn. We'll be back next week to break down some games. Oh, it's good to be I, back. Yeah. I am here for most of the season, I presume. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're we're going yeah. every week. Every week we can get people on. We're coming on. It's gonna be good. I'm so excited. Also, Florida schools, they're coming back. Uh, yeah. The Miami, Florida State, Florida's. I think the future is very bright for all three schools. You know what? For our fans out there on Twitter, tell us which school in Florida is more of a Florida man. There's a lot of schools in Florida. So which one is more of the Florida man school? You tell me. I would like to know. <laughs> I like that. All righty. <laughs> That is all for us this week, and as always, peace. Peace.